Welcome to the J Liberty Podcast. Today I want to talk about police and nuance. Nuance is something that not a lot of people uh, seem interested in these days, and uh, it seems like something that people feel like they're allergic to. It seems like since the Trump era, and I don't exclusively fault Trump for this, although I, uh, I definitely do lay some of the blame on him, it seems like people... Um, feel that if they are nuanced, they aren't taking a stand, that you've got to be on one side or the other of of, uh, just about every issue. And I don't think that's healthy for us as human beings, as Americans. I don't think it's healthy to say, well, it's either this way or it's that way. And, And because I'm of this particular political persuasion, I've got to think this way or that way. I think um, just because I'm a libertarian doesn't mean that I have to say that, um, you know, I I refuse to pay taxes or that I um, don't think there should be any social services systems. That's not true. Um, And there are a lot of libertarians, even I will, I will fault my own party here. There are a lot of folks who, who don't have nuance, even in this party, who say, well, we might be middle of the road, we might be anti-authoritarian, but uh, by God, I'm going to be authoritarian about this one thing. And certainly you see that in the Democratic and Republican parties with Democrats saying, well, if you are a Democrat, you have to be against guns and you have to be for uh, increasing taxes on the wealthy. And if you're a Republican, you have to support the military and you have to support the police. And um, it has to all be about uh, law and order and um, making sure that the world runs a uh, a certain way. So today I want to talk about defunding the police and the thin blue line, the all-cops-are-bastards crowd and the hero-worship crowd. Some police are good, some are bad, they're humans, just like the rest of us. There's definitely a point of contention about police being armed, so there is a lot of debate about gun ownership and having guns around and in the public I think that leads a lot of people to distrust police, dislike police, dislike what the police do. And certainly there are a lot of shootings by police, so it it is something that is understandable why somebody would be concerned about it. Um, But I think the fact of the matter is there are a lot of guns in society, and uh, in in the U.S. there are a lot of criminals with guns. So we, uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, we need to arm police if they're going to be able to do their job against an armed population. Now, that being said, I don't know that every campus uh, security guard at every college needs a gun. It depends on the situation and the area they're in and um, what kind of things go on in that area. And, uh, you know, if they are a college that has had a, had a mass shooting event or something in the past, you can certainly understand why the campus security would feel the need to be armed. And it might be a good idea to be um, for that reason. One program I want to talk about kind of first to, to give an example of, of good things that can happen with police departments. Um, in Eugene, Oregon, there is a program called CAHOOTS, C-A-H-O-O-T-S, and it stands for Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets. It's a bit of a hokey name, but uh, they've been around for years. They're run by a nonprofit group called the White Bird Clinic. They have a relationship with the city of Eugene Police. They use the Eugene City's vehicles. Um, They're paid for by the city of Eugene through the police department. And uh, here's a description of the services that they offer from, uh, from the CAHOOTS website. 
It's Cahoots provides support for EPD personnel by taking on many of the social service type calls for services to include crisis counseling. Cahoots personnel often provide initial contact and transport for people who are intoxicated, mentally ill, or disoriented, as well as transport for necessary non-emergency medical care. Uh, they are dispatched by 911 dispatchers in Eugene uh, when the situation calls for mental health and crisis management instead of the, the brute force that can be often brought by police officers. Someone threatening to kill themselves, for example, doesn't need to be arrested. They need immediate counseling. Someone in mental distress, maybe unaware of their surroundings, they again need mental health services, not the jolt of a taser. In many cases, drugs can cause psychotic effects and can jumpstart psychotic episodes and those already experiencing mental health problems. And yet again, that's an example of someone that, need, that needs mental health care. They don't need a police presence and to be arrested and dragged to jail. Um, they, they need help. There are a lot of bad things that happen with police all around the country and around the world, really, uh, although it seems to be particularly bad in the U.S. in the last several years. Um, Business Insider reported uh, recently uh, because of a, a lawsuit uh, from the victim's family members that in 2017, uh, the St. Louis Metropolitan Police fatally shot a 63-year-old sleeping man nine times during a no-knock raid in 2017 that was related to a drug investigation. 26-year-old Breonna Taylor was shot to death by police raiding her home in a no-knock raid in Louisville, Kentucky in March of 2020. Um, that was another drug-related event. And, uh, of course, everybody knows about George Floyd in May of 2020. He was choked to death by a cop while others stood over and watched. I should say other cops even stood over and watched. And that's just a few of the incidents that have occurred uh, around the country. Those kind of things certainly aren't acceptable, and we need to do something about them. However, simply saying defund the police sort of misses the point, and, and I'll get to that. A lot of times there's no de-escalation training for police officers. They, uh, a lot of times police departments teach them a little bit about the law and rights, and they teach them um, how to react in a way that's going to protect them and protect uh, others from criminal acts, you know, how to use their equipment properly and how to they train on how to shoot accurately so that they can make sure they hit someone who is uh you know about to kill someone else or is about to kill them and that sort of thing in a lot of cases there is simply no training for de-escalating a situation we should also talk about qualified immunity um, this is a supreme court decision that affects how exposed police officers are legally speaking, when they uh, act out in ways like this that end up in someone's uh, abuse or death. According to Cornell Law School, specifically, qualified immunity protects a government official from lawsuits alleging that the official violated a plaintiff's rights, only allowing suits where officials violated a, quote, clearly established statutory or constitutional right. When determining whether or not a right was clearly established, courts consider whether a hypothetical reasonable official would have known that the defendant's conduct violated the plaintiff's rights. Courts conducting this analysis apply the law that was in force at the time of the alleged violation, not the law in effect when the court considers the case. This court decision, qualified immunity, could potentially, in other situations, protect people like Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd. If there hadn't been so much public outrage, qualified immunity may have protected him. In fact, there may have not been a trial. Another thing that 
led to Derek Chauvin's trial and conviction was the video evidence that was taken on a cell phone by a bystander. It helped him get convicted. There likely wouldn't have been a trial without it. Taking video of police is illegal in some states, depending on the circumstances. In the U.S. Constitution, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, in this day and age, the First Amendment should protect everyone's rights to film police because we are all the press. In the age of social media and everyone having a video recording device in their pocket, we are all the press. Anybody can publish anything. It does not require a newspaper with a printing, with an actual physical printing press anymore to, to publish news. So anyone who is taking pictures or audio uh, or video or in any way recording any kind of events that are going on around them, uh, if they are sharing those online, they are effectively press, um, regardless of what state and local governments may uh, think in those cases. Uh, there is a good episode of the Cato Daily Podcast from July 5th of 2021, where they discuss the rights that people have to video police and how well well or not they are protected in different states around the country, and um, and some of the ramifications that can that you can incur if you do video police in the wrong situation or in the wrong place, in the wrong jurisdiction. Um, so I recommend you listen to that Cato Daily Podcast uh, from July 5th of 2021. I'm not going to be so tone deaf as to say all lives matter like a lot of people do. I think that's really um, dismissive and um, uh, misses the point of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, police do disproportionately pull over, arrest, beat, and kill black individuals and people of color more than white people. The Black Lives Matter movement doesn't really address the whole issue. Uh, getting the police to arrest, beat, and kill the same number of white people doesn't solve anything. Uh, and I, I fear that if we just say, well, you've got to stop doing this to black people, that the establishment isn't going to get the message that we've got to stop doing this to people, um, that we just have to be more careful about doing it to black people. And that isn't the point. Uh, the point is that they are doing these things to human beings, and um, that needs to stop, uh, regardless of what someone's race is. And um, and in, in that, they should also stop disproportionately doing it um, uh, to black people and people of color. Um, the first step, I think, to solving a lot of this is legalizing drugs. Our prisons are full of, quote, drug criminals. Many uh, are in there for minor possession or uh, intent to distribute charges. Uh, the prohibition of alcohol in the 1920s and 30s didn't work. It caused more crime. Um, you saw people like Al Capone uh, rise up from that era. People making bathtub gin and getting sick from it. And you saw people getting murdered over bathtub gin. And it's very clear that drug prohibition hasn't worked either. And it's very clear that drug prohibition hasn't worked either. Uh, in fact, drug prohibition has created cartels and led to thousands of murders. Yet people still die of drug overdoses. So not only does it create more crime, it also fails to solve anything that it purports to solve. Uh, the so-called drug war separates families by putting people in prison, which doesn't reduce recidivism in most cases, and it creates a cycle of poverty that families can't escape from because people come out of prison and they can't get a job. Drugs are dangerous and should perhaps have some regulations, 
but because their use, possession, and production is a crime, nobody reports other related violent crime by criminal gangs like murder, robbery, assault, and even rape. In some cases, the laboratories even fake or incorrectly test substances found on people. If you would like more information about that, I recommend you watch the Netflix docuseries How to Fix a Drug Scandal. It's about uh, two labs in Massachusetts um, where people were um, stealing drugs and using drugs in the laboratories and, um, and causing incorrect records to be created for people who were caught with supposedly with drugs on them. The laboratory, the state laboratory, tests these things and, uh, and says, yes, it definitely was cocaine or methamphetamine on this person. And if the state laboratory doesn't do the right thing and test things correctly, um, these people can go to prison even though, uh, you know, they had a bag of baking soda on them. Now, it's unlikely that someone would carry around a baggie of baking soda that looks like drugs, but it is possible. And in this country, we should be uh, assuming innocence until proven guilty and um, convicting people beyond the shadow of a doubt, not, uh, not based on a faked or potentially faked drug laboratory uh, decision. In a lot of cases, police's focus is wrong. In many metros, it takes hours for police to arrive for a car break-in or shoplifting. I had this happen. Um, I lived in a major city. My car was broken into. <clears throat> Nothing was stolen but I did that I could find, but I did call police, and they came out about three hours later, took a report. I told them I could get video of it because there was a camera recording in the garage, and they said, eh, it's not a, it's whatever, it's not a big deal. And uh, they wouldn't even take the video. Um, so there's an example of police not focusing on something that is important. They are there to stop crime. And then in other cases, you have them doing no-knock raids, like for Breonna Taylor, you know, across the country. But the police are saying, well, we think this person's distributing drugs, and so we're going to break into their house um, without announcing ourselves, and then we're going to kill them when they think that they're being robbed and they try to defend themselves and their property. Um, George Floyd in Minneapolis allegedly tried to pass off a fake $20 bill. The cops show up and they end up killing him. Counterfeiting is the purview of the U.S. Treasury and the Secret Service, not the local police. It's not something local police should even be involved in in the first place. And things like this, like police spending time and money on drug investigations, breaking down people's doors in the middle of the night to find out if they're distributing drugs, it's not important. It's a waste of taxpayer money and it's killing people. The Breonna Taylor Act has actually stalled out in Congress. Um, it was authored by uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky who incidentally was verbally attacked by a mob of people shouting say her name in regards to Breonna Taylor. Um, it seems that the crowd assumed because of his um, political affiliation, he's a Republican, that he had his beliefs on police that they always do the right thing and uh, that's clearly not true in his case because he authored this this very short, very simple act that all it does is end no-knock raids at the federal level. And it has stalled out in Congress and has not been passed. So the next time you vote for someone, uh, remember that Congress people who are in office right now won't push through something that just ends no-knock raids. That's all it does. So... That's either lazy or malicious, and I'm not sure which. It might be a little of both, but keep that in mind when you vote for people, uh, especially in the U.S. Congress. This whole thing with police isn't political. The media makes it political. Politicians make it political. But it's about us versus them, the establishment versus the people, Congress versus the people, the president versus the people, governors versus the people, police unions versus the people, 
Departments of Justice versus the people. District Attorneys versus the people. The fucked up justice system versus the people. We need some sort of protection. Something's got to stop people from breaking into your house. There needs to be some kind of deterrent for shoplifting. Uh, people and businesses need some sort of protection. If you don't own a firearm, you have to call the police if someone breaks in or just hope they don't hurt you. A majority of murder cases are never cleared in the U.S., but... Somebody needs to solve murders, again, as a deterrent, if nothing else. Most people aren't murderers, but, but there does need to be a, a looming threat that you might spend the rest of your life in prison if you kill someone. And this helps reduce the number of homicides. Police also serve to protect people in domestic violence situations, to help abused people separate from their partners by mediating move-outs, arresting abusers for assault, sort of thing. Uh, we need some kind of police... Uh, maybe if it looked more like the CAHOOTS program in Eugene, we'd be better off. Maybe if police prioritized domestic abuse and theft over drug use, we'd be better off. We need to stop saying all cops are bastards. We need to stop saying defund the police. We also need to stop saying that nothing should change. Get your head out of the sand. You're in denial if you think there isn't a problem. We need to fix the issue. Call your city councilor. Call your state legislators. Call your congressperson, your senators. Ask them for more police transparency and record-keeping about the events that do happen. There are not enough records out there by cities, by police departments, when they kill someone. There is not enough data collected about these events to even determine how often they're really happening in proportion to how many interactions police have with people. Ask them to end qualified immunity in their jurisdiction. Ask them to end no-knock raids in their jurisdiction. Ask them to end civil asset forfeiture, which lets police take your stuff without a conviction. Tell your politicians that you want a program like Cahoots with less force and more help when people call. This has been the J Liberty Podcast. You can find more of what I write and what I say at jliberty.org. That's the letter J, the word liberty.org.